Hello there. Going through a divorce? Considering one? Sorry to hear that. But here you are. Welcome to Splitsville. You'll find Splitsville to be a pretty unique place. A new world, really, with its own rules, its own expectations, and in many ways, its own language. But don't worry. You have a knowledgeable guide along the way. A family law attorney with three decades of experience under her belt. And now, here she is. Your host and guide, Lee Sellers. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Welcome to Splitsville. I'm your host and guide, Lee Sellers, founder of Touchstone Family Law. And in this episode, I'll be answering another question that many newcomers to Splitsville have. How do you screw up your own divorce case? So let's dive in. So today we're going to think about how you as a person who is going through a separation and divorce can be your own worst enemy. What are some of the ways that I see well-meaning, well-intended people manage to shoot themselves in the foot? Um, How to manage to make their own situation worse? How do they manage to make my job harder and their lives more difficult? There's only so much a divorce attorney can do to help shepherd you through this process. And then it's it really is your life. It is your decision. It is your case. It's your relationship that's ending. So every one of my clients has a great deal to do with their own success. And while I would love to take the credit for every case that goes beautifully, I'm certainly not going to take the credit for every case that goes poorly. And because that's not fair... I obviously have to to make it clear that you have a lot of control over your own outcome. And you're using a divorce attorney to just help you find your way through it. You're having a divorce attorney make sure you understand the legal significance of the decisions you're making and what the ramifications are going to be based on the law. But your personal conduct and your personal choices will still have a great deal to do with your case. So what are the top five things that you can do to ensure that you will screw your case up? The first and most dangerous thing that you can do that is absolutely guaranteed to screw your case up is to lie to your attorney and be convinced that no one is going to find out. They will find out. Everyone will find out. We have all done things that we are not proud of. And we've said things we aren't proud of. And, you know, we've just made decisions that in hindsight, we wish we could could go back in time and erase. But to fail to just own up to them is just not going to help your case. Your credibility in any sort of judicial system is key. And when you choose to lie in that system, you pretty much undermine everything else that you're telling the truth about. And so hiding information that prevents your attorney from working through it and and just taking care of, let's just, how's how how do we deal with this? How do we take this negative that you're so worried is going to destroy your your case? And how do we just go ahead and get out there and deal with it? So you really need to bring your attorney into the conversation because We're all skilled in that. Taking a bad 
situation or a bad case and trying to make a, a winning outcome for everyone, that's what we're trained to do. It's no fun if the case is easy. But also, if it's that simple and that straightforward, you're not going to need an attorney anyway. It's not even really going to be a conflict in court. So you have to trust that that's what we were trained to do, is to take negatives and try to minimize the negative impact that they have on you. So trust the process and trust trust who you've hired and trust them with your secrets. So once you have told them they can help you. So what's the second most dangerous thing you can do? Fail to admit that you lied when you get caught. So for the people who aren't going to openly admit their problems and, and address it head on, you compound that problem when you just keep denying it. So do not go to court, do not go to a deposition, do not go to an attorney's meeting. And when you're sitting here staring at a copy of the text that you swear you never sent, don't try to get out of it by claiming it's not your text, that wasn't your phone, somebody must have stolen your phone and sent that text trying to be you. Oh, you know what? My spouse had my phone one day at the soccer game, and I bet she sent herself that text just to get me in hot water. You're just digging yourself in deeper. So when you get caught with something that you have neglected to be forthcoming about, at some point you just have to admit it and say, I lied about it. I was embarrassed. I didn't want anybody to know. I hoped no one would find out. And I lied about it. I shouldn't have. It was wrong. But you can see why I would have been so embarrassed that that came out. And I'm sorry. It was a stupid mistake. That's going to be about the best you can do. And you have to hope that that's going to be enough. In family court cases, the things that people tend to lie about is things that they said in anger to their spouse, terrible things. And they are embarrassing but you got to remember that you're in a courtroom with a judge that is only listening to people who are in conflict. And so they're seeing and hearing everything all of the time. So they're not necessarily going to be as sensitive to it as maybe your spouse's mother or father was when they read the text or heard the voice message or, or saw the horrible statement. You're going to be in front of somebody who's a little bit desensitized. So don't worry as much about it. Your your audience is a little bit different. But when you have hidden something or or tried to minimize something or, or undermine something or just said or done something terrible, it really is going to make your case go a lot better if you just own up to it, admit that you made a mistake, and explain why you know it was wrong, <laughs> because that's generally why people are lying. They know that they made a mistake. They know they were wrong. So just fix it. It's going to make the rest of your case much better. But the more times that you spend with the court or the other attorney or any of the fact finders just trying to dig yourself out of a hole, the less time they have to spend on the good parts of your case, the things that support the position that you're taking, the things that are positive about you. One of the third ways that you can really screw your case up is by failing to engage in the process. When you are involved in a lawsuit, especially a domestic lawsuit with your attorney, you have to participate. You have to be involved. You have to open your emails. You have to open your mail. You have to return the phone calls. 
you have to understand the process. You have to read the documents that come to you, and you have to ask the questions. So you will absolutely screw your case up if you stick your head in the sand and try to pretend that it's going to go away if you just ignore it. You're going to make it impossible for the attorney to advocate for you. I have cases where clients become immobilized or paralyzed, and they really can't get back in touch with me. My staff is well-trained, and when we find a client going under, as we say, we double up on what we can do to reach out to them. We don't just sit back and say, okay, well, all's well because we're not hearing anything. But that's because this staff has been trained to look for this kind of behavior. And they will make sure to reach out and to send out whatever lifelines are there or have a discussion. But not every law firm has either the training or really the the bandwidth. Some people just don't have enough employees and the natural tendency to take care of the squeaky wheel is what really drives the whole office. And that's not speaking down about any office. It's just natural. Or even an office that is incredibly well-equipped could be undergoing a really difficult time. They could have had multiple cases scheduled by multiple judges at the same time, and they're just stretched thin. So you can't always count on that backstop of somebody going, wow, you know, we haven't talked to Mr. Smith in four weeks. That's very unusual. We have a deposition next week. We, we've been asking him to call our office and set an appointment to prepare. That's odd. Why would he not do that? He knows that this is important. Well, it happens. So you really do need to keep a very organized calendar and you really need to participate. You need to take the initiative and ask the questions. You need to review everything. Don't assume that your attorney is going to tell you everything you need to know. Your attorney is going to tell you everything that they think you need to know. But only you can really make sure that you're getting the information that you need. Everybody is unique. And as long as I've been doing this, and as as good as I think as I am at predicting information that my clients will find helpful, I am not a mind reader. And I never will be. And I really have to depend on the clients to ask the questions when they don't understand something. So you have to participate. You must get the information you need to make knowing and intelligent decisions so that you can best move your situation through whatever the legal process is and and move it through to conclusion. The fourth thing that you can do that will really screw up your case if you have a custody case is focusing more on the other parent than you are on the child or children. You will absolutely destroy what you're trying to achieve in a contested custody action if you take your eye off the prize. And the prize is having your children in a safe and mentally healthy and stable place at the end of the situation. And when you start focusing more on the other parent and what they're doing and why they're doing what they're doing, and you stop looking at the child, you will not only probably hurt your child or children, you really are going to screw your case up because judges are very in tune to this. We had a case in 2019 that went up to the Supreme Court of South Carolina. And it was fascinating because the legal issue was not particularly unusual. It was simply a discovery issue in a family court case. Someone had 
requested that one of the parents undergo a particular type of evaluation, and it was appealed to the Court of Appeals, and it then went up to the Supreme Court. Now, it was a nasty contest, and evaluations are pretty intrusive, and the parents obviously were in a pretty nasty custody battle, and this was one of the many types of evaluations that you might perform on one parent or another to see if some deficiency that they might have mentally or physically is going to affect their parenting. So we see these these arguments. And the only legal part of the case was that the case was still ongoing and it wasn't appropriate to be in the appellate court. So they were sending it back down. But the Supreme Court of South Carolina, which is the highest court in the land, took that tiny little one-paragraph opinion where they're like, the appeal is is dismissed, we're remanding it to the family court to finish their work here, they took time out to admonish the parents and the attorneys representing the parents for being so miserable to each other. They literally, in a Supreme Court opinion, admonished the parents to remind them that the goal of custody litigation was to help a judge make a decision that was in the best interest of the child or children and not the total destruction of the other parent. And I found that so telling because they actually took the time to put to writing and and publish what we know is happening within the family court system all the time. These judges are looking at these parents, and when it's clear that their focus is on destroying the other parent, they are so unhappy. They're so annoyed that they're having to listen to all of this completely irrelevant infighting, and they're hearing very little about the children. And so I think that it bears reminding that you are going to screw your case up if the case that you try to give your attorney and if your testimony in depositions and if your testimony in trial is so focused on the other parent that the judge gets no information about what the child needs, what your children need. So remember that the fight has to move. You have to just let go of a lot of anger and resentment and irritation you have with the other parent when you're in a custody fight. And you really have to focus on what is going to be best for the children and what is the information you need to tell the judge about the children. And there are so many examples of it that we could do an entire podcast on just dumb things to testify about in family court. But just as a general rule, try to always remember that you're going to screw yourself up if the judge just sees you as an angry, vindictive other parent and doesn't just actually see you as a good and loving parent. The fifth thing that you can do is guaranteed to screw your case up is to hide or try to steal money from the other spouse. If you think that the best outcome for you financially in a divorce case is to take and move money and try to make fraudulent transfers to other family members or open up accounts and and literally just think that you're going to manipulate the situation, you're not. Nothing angers a family court judge more than seeing someone try to manipulate the situation by hiding or removing or devaluing things instead of just coming into court and allowing things to be split fairly. 
And they will absolutely take it out on you if and when it's discovered. And, and quite frankly, it is often discovered. If not during one hearing, it will be discovered in another one. And the judges just don't like it. They don't see a marriage falling apart as, as an excuse for committing fraud. And I was recently involved in a situation where one person thought that they were going to take care of a situation by selling something at a very low value just to get back at at the other person. And, you know, the court was like, why would you do that to your family? Why would you take that valuable business that you have and just basically give it away just so that the other side couldn't get it? And there were texts that said, I would rather no one get it if you're going to get any of it. And that sort of mentality just drives family court judges crazy. And that one thing, that one act set the tone for the way that that person was treated for the rest of the case, because they were just seen as being so vindictive that they would burn everything down rather than let somebody else fairly have something that they were entitled to by law, which is half the marital assets. And that sort of behavior will screw your case because when you go into court and show that side of you and your mentality, it's a court of equity. It's a court of law, but it's also a court of equity. And so you need to just understand that trying to get around what the law is is not going to help you. It will actually work against you. The fraud that you try to commit can be a result of why the court might give somebody more because they may just go, hey, we don't know what else has been thrown away. We don't know what else has been hidden. Given how bad this person's behavior is, we're just going to go ahead and give her more of everything we can see on the table or him more of everything we can see on the table because this person has shown that there is no end to how far they would have gone to disadvantage the other person. And we're concerned based on their behavior that that things have not been been fairly set forth. So being honest with the court and just kind of accepting your lumps is what's necessary. You have to trust the system, trust the law, and trust the judge to handle the case appropriately if you give them all of the facts. And that can be very hard to do. But the more you try to engineer your own self-help, the more you are going to shoot yourself in the foot. So those are things that your attorney can't protect you from. Those are things that if you do, you can set the case going a wrong way. You can make the other attorney and the other party so angry that they're not willing to work with you to resolve it peaceably. And then you're going to also make the court system very angry with you. So when you're facing a divorce or a separation, you're working with your attorney, do everything in your power to work with that attorney listen to them and make sure that you're not actually bigger damage to your case than the other side is. And I think you'll find that you will come through it in the end and be much happier than whatever you thought you could manipulate in the beginning. So that's my musings on how you can screw up your case. And hopefully, you'll take our word for it and you will avoid those actions and and things will go quite well for you. So there you have it, another neighborhood of Splitsville explored. There's still so much to learn here, so I hope you'll tune in to the next episode. While Splitsville is not a fun place to be, thankfully it is full of helpful people, 
valuable resources and sound advice if you know where to look. See you next time. The insights and views presented in Welcome to Splitsville are for general information purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. Nor does tuning into this podcast constitute an attorney-client relationship of any kind. If you're ready for compassionate and reliable legal guidance on your journey, contact Lee Sellers and her team at www.touchstonefamilylaw.com.